Today, 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 everything changes for you. There is absolutely nothing any of us can do to change our past. But please know that your decision to join us in the purity of our praise unto God today definitely changes your future. St. Peter United decrees that you are worthy, you are loved, you are accepted, and you have a purpose. Our scripture reading today comes to us from uh, Galatians. Galatians, the book of Galatians, uh, Paul's letter to the Galatians. Uh, on your Bible app or in your pew Bible, or if you have a Bible at home, uh, please go to the book of Galatians, chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 1. Chapter 5, verse 1. It's pretty short. Galatians 5, verse 1. Scripture says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. For the freedom Christ has set us free, stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today's message is the paradox of freedom. The paradox of freedom. Let us pray. Gracious God, give us the eye of the eagle. Help us to see into all of our hopes, joys, fears, and sorrows. Weave our hands to the gospel plow and tie our tongues to the truth. Come, thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Let us hear from you the still-speaking, ever-living God in our midst. This is our prayer in the name of our great ancestor and savior, Jesus Christ. Ashe and amen. This text from Galatians, Paul is talking to the Galatians, telling them that they are now free from the yoke of slavery. Slavery being bound to the law, which told them how to live, what to wear, what to eat, who to marry, who not to marry, free from that particular yoke of slavery that was found in the law. Because Paul knew that all of the different rules that were found in the original law that were given to the Israelites was not going to help people like us who were coming into the faith who were not Jewish, who were not hereditary Jews, who were not part of that culture. But he knew that in order for the Christian community, or the way as it was called in this time, to spread and to be opened up, that there had to be freedom from the law. What Paul saw in Jesus Christ was an opportunity to bring together Gentiles, who were us, and Jewish people under the banner of following in the way of Jesus Christ. So Paul is saying to them, you are free in your mind, in your body, and in your soul. You can remove the yoke of slavery. But it is indeed a paradox for them because 
the people that Paul is speaking to are people who are subordinate and inferior to the citizens of Rome. So in short, Rome created peace through their military might, but if you weren't a Roman citizen, you were less than and you were, bound, you were marginalized and bound to whatever conditions the Romans set for you. Sound familiar? So they were not actually fully free. There were laws and regulations that held the Galatians in their place while Roman citizens can enjoy all of the freedoms that they wanted. If you were a Galatian, if you were a person that was not part of the Roman citizenry, then there was a different standard of law for you. You were probably going to get stopped and frisked because you didn't look like a Roman citizen. You were probably going to get pulled over because maybe you were outside of the border of the country that you were supposed to be in. You were probably going to have different lending practices that would be issued to you because you were not a Roman citizen and therefore your credit may not have been as good as somebody else who, that was a Roman citizen. Is any, is any of what I'm saying ringing any bells? And yet Paul is saying to them, remove the yoke of slavery that is among you. Paul is saying, in God, in Christ, you are free. The yoke that you need to be worried about is the Romans' boots that are on your neck. The yoke you need to be worried about is the knee that is on your neck. The yoke you need to be worried about is the injustice of law in the land. Don't be worried about your soul getting to heaven. Don't be worried about whether or not you're being a good Christian. In Jesus, you have been set free. Do the work of setting yourself free in your mind and in your body. But yet and still, amen, I got a good amen corner. Amen. You keep that up. Thank you. At least somebody's liking what I say. Set yourself free. So this paradox of freedom as we prepare to go into Juneteenth and Pride Sunday and we celebrate and do all of this stuff, it is a paradox because we are free yet becoming free. <laughs> we are free yet we are still bound by so many different things. What are we slaves to today? What are we slaves to today? We're slaves to our victim narrative. Nothing's going to change. You know, my mama had back problems. I'm going to have back problems. My children go have back problems. Did I tell you my mama used to beat me, so that's why I beat my kids too? You know, I was born on the wrong side of the tracks. I ain't gonna be much of anything. I'ma just settle. That's why I tell my kids, just go down there and, you know, get that, that job at that one, you know, if 
you know, if that's all you ever want to do with yourself, that's fine. Or better yet, you know, let me, you know, I've always been in, my mama was in the, in the projects, and so now I'm in the projects, so I'm, let me teach my children how to work the system so they can stay in the project. Or cynicism. Why should I vote? My rep has been the same rep since I was three years old which is sad. I'm not ageist, but if you've been in office longer than I've been in life, you've been there way too long. And, and for you to say anything about fixing the system, I'm looking you dead in your face and thinking to myself, you ain't fixing it in all this time. How are we supposed to trust you now? I got people right now running for races and they have been in office since I one of them was in office in 1973. That's four years before I was born. And now they want to run for mayor. Well, two of them, two of the head runners have been in office for a long time. I like them both. I love them. Two things can be true. I can be grateful for everything you have done. I can also say, sit it down. We've had enough. Two things can be true. We're addicted to our perception that we are powerless. We think, oh, well, it's Texas, it's a red state, it'll never, you can't fix this. Well, it's just all right, let's just, they can just run over transgender people, and yeah, well, I know they're gonna just do all kind of crazy stuff, the immigrants at the border, but it's okay, there's nothing we can do. The rural Texas is gonna outvote us. We, powerlessness, powerlessness. What about our addiction to our debt? buying and buying and buying and buying more stuff to impress people that ain't thinking nothing about you. They don't care that you're wearing Gucci. They don't care that you got on Balenciaga. They don't care nothing about what you are doing. If you go, go into debt, go into debt because you want to do it for something that you want to do. Not because I got to be like everybody else, which brings me to my next point. Addicted to, slaves to our desire to belong, which creates a need for uniformity, which causes us to lose our unique identity. If you wonder why we, some of us are traumatized, it's by the need to try to be the way society is telling us to be. If all you see are white people with blonde hair and blue eyes, you will then turn around and want to straighten your hair and put in blue contacts and talk just like them because that's all you ever see. It cannot be stated enough the value of having a diversity of people on the TV screen. We have to help the young people see that beauty is diverse and it looks different. It has different hairstyles, different skin colors, different eye colors. We will get addicted to uniformity if we do not lift up a diversity of images. The heart of what I really want to express today is something that um, 
I've wrestled with for, for a while, and I've had this, some of y'all have been to my house, and you know this book sits in my living room on one of the end tables. It's The Souls of Black Folk by W.E.B. Du Bois. And I just want to share a passage that I keep bookmarked in here. And he writes, we must accept some of the race prejudice in the South as a fact. Deplorable in its intensity, unfortunate in its results, and dangerous for the future, but nevertheless a hard fact which only time can efface. We cannot hope then in this generation or several generations that the mass of whites can be brought to assume that close, sympathetic, and self-sacrificing leadership of blacks, which their present situation so eloquently demands, such leadership, such social teaching and example must come from the blacks themselves. For some time, men doubted as to whether the Negro could develop such leaders, but today no one seriously disputes the capability of individual Negroes to assimilate the culture and common sense of modern civilization and to pass it on to some extent, at least to their followers. If this is true, he writes, then here is the path out of the economic situation. And here is the imperative demand for trained Negro leaders of character and intelligence, men of skill, men of light and leading college-bred men, black captains of industry and missionaries of culture who thoroughly comprehend and know modern civilization and can take hold of the Negro communities and raise them and train them by force of precept and example, deep sympathy and inspiration for the common blood and ideals. And he goes on to say, of such weapons, perhaps in the modern world, is the power of the ballot. So what is W.E.B. E. Du Bois saying? He's saying that the way out is for as many of us, and I would turn it this way today and not say just Negroes, but people who are marginalized and people who are allies of marginalized communities, the way out, the way out is for many of us to step up and be leaders and to be voices in our community and to understand that we have an obligation not just to getting our big home and fancy cars and fancy clothes, but that we have an obligation to be leaders in this generation, leaders in this moment. It is not just about what we can get, it is also about what can we give. So why did I bring up being stuck in our victim narrative and cynicism and feeling as though we're powerless? I'm saying that because what has happened is many of us have gotten demoralized and in our being demoralized, we don't understand that the oppression that we are feeling is not by our hands alone, but it's also partially our fault. We are to blame in allowing it to continue to happen and not standing up and leading and speaking out for justice as we should. So as we approach this Juneteenth, our leadership is needed in this time. We think that we are nobody and that we have no voice and that we have no agency. 
but we all have voice. We all have agency. Baby, you are not the only one that's going through something. All of us are going through something. All of us are struggling with something. All of us, well, not all of us. Some of y'all are not doing what I said and going to see a therapist, but many of us are sitting on the therapist's couch, if not every week, at least every other week. And I don't do these things just because I want to be sane. I do these things because I'm a pastor and I'm a leader and I will not shy away from dealing with my trauma because as a leader, I want us all to deal with our trauma. We cannot lead without also healing. W.B. Du Bois also talks about the democracy and standing up and voting and getting to the polls and doing what needs to be done. I know, like I said, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Many of us are like, it, some of us live in districts where it don't even matter if we go to vote or not. Like the outcome is still going to be the same no matter what. I get it. But, but, leaders show up and participate in the franchise because leaders realize that other folks died for us to have the right to go to the poll and to be able to vote. Once again, we can't complain about what's happening if we don't even go vote. You can't complain about how you don't have something if you don't even go vote and take somebody with you and encourage them to take somebody with you. One by one by one, the system can be changed. I like this other quote that I want to share with you. Uh, it's from Fannie Lou Hamer. And uh, in 1971, she was speaking to uh, uh, a predominantly white audience at the University of Wisconsin in 1971, six years before I was born. That's crazy. I got here and just thought, you know, we've been integrated for a long time. This is just the way it's been. Like, I, you know, haven't everybody always had white friends and black friends? Like, you know, hasn't this always been? Wow, six years. And she said to them, until I'm free, you are not either. Now, people say it a whole lot of different ways. I wanted to make sure I got it right because I'm reading her book, uh, a book that somebody wrote about her called Until I'm Free. But her quote was, until I'm free, you are not either. One of the biggest lies that we have bought into is that white rural people are the enemy. That is a farce. The truth is, as long as somebody can keep them stirred up and angry at us, and as long as someone can keep us thinking that they're a bunch of country bumpkins from the backwoods that don't know how to read and write and are stuck on their Bible, as long as that struggle continues, no progress will be made. Long ago, someone said, whenever the paupers and the poor and the middle class finally get together, they are coming for us. And guess what? If we ever get together, we are coming for you.
until I am free, you are not either. Until trans people are free to do with their bodies as they will, none of us are free. Until women have the right to make their own reproductive choices, none of us are free. Until women are allowed to preach in every pulpit in this country, none of us are free. Until black people are allowed to move about this entire country without being pulled over for the color of their skin, none of us are free. Until people who live south of this country are able to come to this country and do the jobs that we are not willing to do, none of us are free. Until children are out of cages, none of us are free. Until women are out under the heel of the patriarchy, none of us are free. Until lesbians are allowed to lead, none of us are free. Until women can become presidents and vice presidents and ambassadors, none of us are free. Until white people who are living in trailer parks in rural Texas have the resources they need, none of us are free. Until every Taco Bell and McDonald's worker has a living wage. None of us are free until we have done the justice that generation after generation has called for. None of us are free. It is the time, it is the time in which we are being called to not just allow the injustice to take place. It matters to me what's happening to my Hispanic brothers and sisters. It matters to me what's happening to women. It matters to me what is happening to people that I may not even agree with. It matters. It should be a matter of our faith, not just of our politics, a matter of our faith that we stand up for the least of these. The freedom that we have now, <laughs> the freedom that we have now and the freedom that we desire comes with a price. And for many of us, that price is just standing up and stepping up and living in the truth of who we are. That's the first step for some of us just to get comfortable with being in our own skin and leading and living our lives. Amen. On this Father's Day, I reflected on what, what does it mean? What has, what has my father given us and, and my siblings? And you know, and I think some people think, please don't hear me saying that you need to do something grandiose and have your lights, your name and lights somewhere and that you need to be the next Ella Baker or Martin Luther King. That's not what I'm saying. We need people that can be good parents. We need people that are going to stay in strong marriages, right? Marriage still matters regardless of the gender. Marriage still matters. That's not to say that everybody needs to get married because some of us don't. But marriage, the institution of it, regardless of how it looks, still matters. 
There are institutions that must be guarded and protected for the prolonging of our liberty and our freedom. And so I thought about my parents, my father, and it's a blessing. It is a blessing when someone can pass on wisdom. See, some people want money. And I really, I hope they spend every dime before they go. Because what I want is how did you do it? And what is the wisdom that I need to be able to go beyond what you've done? Because I know that's what you want from me. You want me to go beyond what you have done. And so for me, the best thing that my father has ever done for me was allowed me to be curious and to give me information. To be curious and to give me information. And I've seen him do it with my siblings. He does not like some of the decisions we made. But will still show up and break his back to do everything he can to help us live in the chaos that we've created. The freedom to be curious, the freedom to make mistakes, and to get the wisdom that is needed. That provides some freedom and some stability for those that are going to come after you. So why am I bringing that up? I'm bringing that up because we have a responsibility right now. It should be a problem, and many of our hair should be on fire that they're banning books in school. It is a travesty that children are not able to be curious. And it's really quite silly when there's an internet and TikTok. Nobody thought to say, let's create a PG section that can alert me as a parent if that particular book's being checked out. Why do we got to ban the books? And we're also deciding that it's not important that any black history that is critical of our history as a country, we're going to label it CRT and just throw it out, even though nobody's doing CRT in public school. So we're just going to wipe out black history altogether. What I'm saying is the curiosity and the freedom that my parents gave me, if we deny that to the future generation, they are going to be dummies and they will be able to be told anything and they'll believe it. We cannot take away critical thinking from the next generation. Otherwise, the wealthy will continue to do, actually, they will do worse because we'll be idiots. We'll all be stupid. Freedom, freedom. All right, let me get off my soapbox. I know I, 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 get, I get going. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, my, my doctorate in ministry when I started in the fall Thank you. <laughs> well, it will be in public ministry, so you'll be hearing a whole lot more sermons like this. Hopefully, I'll get better over time, but I hope today that you have gleaned some hope, some encouragement that you are not a nobody. You are somebody that God is calling to lead and to do amazing things for your family, for your marriage, and for this generation in which Christian nationalism is going to be the death of us if we do not stand up and do something about it. 
there'll be a Ten Commandments on every corner. And not that I hate the Ten Commandments, but those are for me because I'm a Christian. That's not for everybody else that's not a Christian. So what can you do now? What can you do now? I'll offer up some things you can do, and some of you might know some other places, but uh, if you are passionate about you know, helping create a living wage for people. You can join the Poor People's Campaign. Just look it up. William Barber and that group is doing some amazing work. Uh, I'll be doing some work with them in the fall as well, too. Uh, you can also, if you're a veteran or if you're passionate about veterans' uh, rights and benefits for veterans, you can join the VFW with me. Uh, I can also hook you up with Common Defense, which I'm a member of that as well, too. They're working to expand democracy. Um, you can always become a voter registrar. Isaiah, I saw your dad nudge you. You could always become a voter registrar and register people for, for voting and getting them signed up. More than any of this, I want you to see yourself as part of what can change the world and make the world a better place, make our communities a better place. I was listening to a great show on the radio the other day, and someone said, the revolution doesn't start when we're in the streets protesting. The revolution starts right here. When we begin to see something better for ourselves and our community through prophetic imagination. Amen and amen.